This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I am your gracious host, Scott Connor. You can find me on X at Charles Chill FFB. Reminder to everybody, you can find all of our stuff over at DestinationDebbie.com. Join the Heisman tier over at Patreon.com backslash all gas and get access to some bonus perks, merchandise, extra podcasts every single week. So check all of that out, either patreon.com backslash all gas or sign up for the Destination 5 tier over on destinationdevy.com. This episode, we are going to be doing the running back report, the 2023 running back report, looking for early edges at the running back position in 2024. I did the entire roster construction series uh, for lineup leagues at the end of the 2023 season. And one of the things that's highlighted there is the any running back on a 53 strategy. And I had highlighted in there how I'm taking a little bit of a different approach uh, from what I had done in the past. And it means basically that I'm willing to be a little more selective in the running backs that I want to target, want to stash, want to roster, etc. Largely, it's because I'm holding more backup quarterbacks. So what it means is instead of just any running back on a 53, I'm going to examine them a little bit closer, not to the point where I'm not interested in most running backs. I still am interested in at least considering a roster spot allocated to any running back on a 53. But what I want to do is dive in a little bit deeper and maybe see if I can find an edge when it comes to efficiency of the running backs that I'm willing to carry. Both efficiency and opportunity, I think, are important, and they're not something that we can necessarily say we know exactly how it's going to play out for a player. There have been players in the past that are really efficient one year, and then the next year their efficiency drops. We've also seen players that get plenty of opportunity in one year, and then the next year their opportunity drops. So largely we have to consider that opportunities are random. They are earned to an extent, but they're also much more random than they might be at wide receiver or at tight end, for instance, where those guys have to earn their playing time, then they have to earn the ball coming their way when they're on the field. But for running backs, a lot of times it can be procedural. It can be just based on the attrition in the backfield, the situation of whatever team they're on. Are they actually interested in allocating extra resources if a running back gets injured? Are they really interested in actually optimizing the position for the season based on where the actual team is at for that given year? So there's a lot of variables that can lead to a running back getting opportunity or not getting opportunity. So what I want to do is try to identify the ones, and obviously this is pre any sort of cost consideration, ADP consideration, really just identify some of the ones that I think I can get an edge on on the current market. And the beauty of that 
is looking at the running back market, it's extremely depressed. Meaning it's not even so that running backs are not worth what their keep trade cut price might be. It's more so what are the demands for those running backs out there in a league? The KTC price may say James Cook, Rashad White. I mentioned those on this week's Dynasty Portfolio Weekly that just aired uh, last Thursday on the Destination Devi YouTube channel. If you could like and subscribe the Destination Devi YouTube channel and those Dynasty Portfolio Weekly videos would be appreciated. But I talked about Rashad White and James Cook. Those are two running backs that Keep Trade Cut would say are probably worth a first. Probably worth right around a future first. However, the demand for them is low, meaning the demand is probably not meeting what that price is. So unless there's somebody that's actually wanting them at that price or wanting them in general, even if it's a little bit lower than that price, they're not actually worth anything. Now you have to evaluate what are they worth it to my team. And that's a lot of running backs, especially the ones that are below that range. There's a tier of maybe three, four, five running backs that pretty much everybody would be interested in. Maybe not at cost, but they're absolutely interested in having them on their team. Then there's another probably 10 to 15 or so that are some of the older guys. There's some of the players that maybe don't have elite ceilings, but they're still young. They still are going to have guaranteed opportunity. People want those guys as well, but it's much less likely that they're chasing them at anywhere close to what their cost is. So all of a sudden you start looking at running backs on your dynasty teams and you say almost every one of them, the analysis is they are worth more if I'm roster constructing at running back with a plan than they are for me to actually sell. I'd venture to say it's probably 95% of the running back landscape fits that narrative right now. In February of the offseason, most of the running backs on your team, you immediately say they're either not worth anything they're just worth a roster spot because of any running back on a 53 or they're worth something. Someone would take them. But as soon as I go try to sell them for the price that you would have to essentially buy me out from because it interrupts my roster construction, you wouldn't actually be able to sell them for that. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, DeAndre Swift. All those guys are free agents. Now, there may be one or two people that go, you know what? I actually like those guys. I will buy them. But immediately the cost is, well, I don't know if I can pay anything close to what their KTC value is or what their actual worth could be to you until I see where they land. And even then, I don't know if the demand on some of those players is going to be that high. Just given the nature of the running back position, given the nature, especially if you are in a deeper league, I've talked about this on Trades in 5 a little bit. When you are in a start 11, start 12, even start 13 league, you can get away with just starting nothing at running back. You can get away with just taking whatever points I can get. You don't need a guaranteed workload. You don't need hyper-efficiency. You just need something. You can't afford to take a zero, but in a start 12, if you're getting 12 points a week from your running back positions, there's a chance that you can still win if you have the right construction around it. So if you're talking deeper leagues, the devaluation of running backs is even higher. The demand is even lower. So I do think a podcast like this does have some merit because I think we can maybe spot some players that if you're going to build your running back rooms like this, and this is largely how my teams are built, want to find some edges in terms of efficiency. Because the one thing I don't think we're good at predicting 
is opportunity share. Now you can say opportunity share uh, in the past can lead to opportunity share in the future, but then you also get into the narrative of, well, what if there is competition that is brought in on one team and competition not brought in on another team? There's coaching changes. There's offensive coordinator changes. There's scheme changes. All of these things can impact running backs from year to year more so than other positions. So I think it's important to almost identify the efficiency first and then just bet month to month, day to day on the opportunity. It's either going to come or it's not. But given what I just talked about over the last five minutes with running back demand, I think we can kind of spot the ranges of players we want to buy into. And I'm going to go over that today uh, on some of the players that I'm interested in buying that are almost nothing. So if I'm just looking for the any running backs on a 53, who do I not want? And who would I be interested in getting at that same price range that's basically just worth a roster spot? Late third, fourth round picks, swap them for roster clogger receivers. There's a lot of ideas, which I'm not necessarily going to go into how to get these players, but you get the picture. Being able to swap stuff on your team that really doesn't have a place for running backs on a 53 that you think if there's opportunity that goes their way could actually give you a spot start, a couple spot starts, et cetera, especially in a deeper league where you can afford to start a guy getting eight opportunities if he's midway efficient with that opportunity share. doesn't matter. Get nine points a game in a league like that, lineup league specifically. You're fine. You can get by with that. So that's what we're going to do today. 2023 running back report. Uh, just to let everybody know, I did an article back on January 22nd on Destination Debbie. Five running backs to bet on in 2024. I went through running back roster construction, looked at some war, you know, kind of looked at the position as a whole, and then I categorized running backs in four categories. So in there, you'll be able to see the categories and you'll be able to see this data that I'm referring to. Now I have expanded it out. I've added some categories that I'm going to talk about today, but I'll link that article. It's linked in the podcast feed. You can check it out where I basically broke the running back landscape down from 2023 into four categories. You have the workhorses, you have the Colts, you have the ponies, and then you have the everybody else's. So those four categories are really just divided by opportunity share. And I'll talk about what those mean here in just a minute. But I basically use these four categories to sort for the running back landscape. And then I went through within those four categories to kind of look for maybe the targets in those ranges. And then you can do the strategy in terms of how do I acquire those guys in my league? Do I already have one or two in a certain tier? Which means I don't probably need to go through another. I mean, look back at some roster construction principles for how you want to build your running back rooms. For me, I would say if I'm going through, let's just take the roster construction series that I did, nine running backs. In a 12-team start 11, 30-man roster, nine running backs was my target number. So if I was hypothetically building a running back room from this list, I'd probably want to have one of the workhorses. And I'll talk about who those guys are. Maybe we can talk a little bit about which ones you may prefer within that range. But I want one of those workhorses. And loosely, those are defined as guys that are getting enough of an opportunity share that they potentially could give me some really serious war at the running back position. That's where you're going to find the guys that you're almost just willing to bet on as your anchor running back. And if you get one of those, and especially if you can get one of those guys without paying the sticker price, and unfortunately this isn't a draft that's probably going to have one of those in the class, but if you were able to get one of those guys like Jameer Gibbs, 
is one of them, for instance. If you can get one of those guys like Jameer Gibbs, especially if you look back and you say, okay, if I can project his opportunity share to go up just a little bit, he's one of those where you're like, I got them with the 105 rookie pick last year. So it's already a sunk cost. It's not nearly as much it would cost if you went and bought them on the open market. That's the tough thing is how do I want to construct my running back room? And do I want to pay for one of the ones that has some of that ADV or artificial dynasty value built in because they're still young? There's other options that you can find uh, that might be a lot cheaper. And that's just because of their dynasty place or their dynasty cost. And they don't really have much of a dynasty longevity factor to their profile. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But then next up, you have the Colts. So these are guys that have just a little less opportunity share. But you look at them and you're like, I want a couple of these guys. So maybe you want one workhorse and then you want two from this range. And when you get when you see the names, you'll immediately click like, okay, that profile makes sense. So we'll talk a little about that. But maybe you have two of those guys, right? Then the next tier is the ponies. And that's where you have maybe two more guys. This is where you're going to find some one-dimensional players some specialists that don't get a ton of opportunity because they're not ever really getting like three down opportunity, but they can do different things. Maybe they're receiving specialists, they're super efficient, or they're guys that are going to be just getting a certain number of carries, red zone carries, whatever. So you probably want to have two or three more of these. And then the rest are just guys that are there. They're probably the second or third running back on a team. You need to kind of hope that you can project forward that maybe their opportunity share goes up a little bit. And that's going to be probably 40% of the running backs in the NFL. That's where you're going to start seeing a lot of the any running backs on a 53. But who do I want to target in there? So we'll talk through these four categories, but this is probably where I'm going to be rostering four or five of these guys. They're going to churn and burn based on who gets cut on waivers or who's available in drafts. This is going to be where you're going to probably turn three or four of your bottom end roster spots for running backs here. But there's some value. So when we start going through these categories, that's how I would hypothetically build my running back room. It's a layered approach. It isn't necessarily, well, I need to get as many good running backs as possible. We're assuming there's a baseline allocation of what you're willing to spend at the position. So, of course, it would be nice to go get Brees Hall and Jameer Gibbs on the same team. But you would also understand that the cost allocation to do that, how would you want to then allocate the rest of your resources? You may not want to resource or use as many resources on the other running backs in that middle range. It may be those two guys and then seven, just any running backs on a 53. So it just depends on how you want to build it, how your league allows you to build it, and what assets you have to maybe build your running back. So let's go through it. We're going to start at the top. We're going to start with the workhorses. And just for reference, some of the categories that I used in here is I essentially took every running back that played at least half the season last year. There's some mixed in here that had smaller sample sizes due to injury, but I wanted to also just highlight them. Uh, I'll talk about them when they come up. But I largely took every running back, and here's the baseline metric that I looked at, opportunities per game. So on a per-game basis, opportunities per game, and I'm calculating opportunities with rush attempts and targets. So not receptions, opportunities is rush attempts plus targets. So right there, you just take those two numbers and you look at their opportunities per game. Then you go through, and I also am going to calculate their target rate. So of that total opportunity share, how many of those opportunities were targets? 
So you're going to have a percentage out of 100 where out of their total opportunities, how many targets, what percentage of those opportunities were targets. So I looked at that. The third thing I looked at was points per opportunity. So just PPR fantasy points per opportunity. So it's exactly what I said before. Their targets plus their rush attempts divided by their fantasy points or their fantasy points divided by that number. So you're going to get a points per opportunity. Then I took this number and I adjusted it and I removed touchdowns. Now we can debate whether touchdowns are something that is a skill. Uh, I think there's probably some merit to touchdowns being a, a thing that teams see certain players at being better at getting. They give them more opportunities and then there's players that they just can score a lot of touchdowns. You know, Christian McCaffrey, for instance, for his size, has always scored a decent amount of touchdowns. So I went through and I actually adjusted it for adjusted points per opportunity, and that is removing touchdowns. So I'm keeping both numbers. I don't think you can ignore the first number and just go, well, you know, when you take away their touchdowns, they're not as good. Because I think there's probably some predictability with touchdowns. But I wanted to have both numbers just to be able to compare them if I wanted to zoom into a player's profile a little bit more. So points per opportunity and adjusted points per opportunity. And what is the difference between that number? So essentially your touchdown percentage up or down, you know, how big of a drop did you have based on touchdowns? So I have that number for everybody as well. And then I also have a couple other numbers mixed in here uh, that we can talk about if we get into them, but the expected points per game, or the adjusted points per game if you just take the league average. So essentially trying to measure how efficient a player is relative to their peers based on their workload. But largely we're going to focus on the first three things, the opportunities per game, the target rate, and then also the points per opportunity and the adjusted points per opportunity. When you start filtering there, some things will start to stand out. So let's go to the workhorses first. So the workhorse category... Per last year, there were 15 running backs that hit workhorse category numbers. And that is 18 opportunities per game. So 18 opportunities or more per game last year. Those guys were Kyron Williams at the very top. And these are sorted in order by most to least. All of them above 18. Kyron Williams, Christian McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Rashad White, Travis Etienne, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Tony Pollard, Brees Hall, Derrick Henry, James Conner, Isaiah Pacheco, and Austin Eckler. Those were the 15 running backs that had 18 or more opportunities per game. So then when you dig into that, and this is part of what I highlighted in that article, you take that number and then you dig into that a little bit further. And you look at, okay, which ones had a target rate at least 20% or higher. And the reason I'm filtering for that first is I'm trying to shoot for, if I'm in this category, who are the guys that are getting more opportunities to potentially score more fantasy points? Because a target is going to be worth much more than a rush attempt. And I know there's other people that have done that research on what exactly that number is, but let's call it two to two and a half times what a rush attempt is. Because not every target is going to be converted to a reception. So it's not exactly like a reception. But if you just say a target is worth twice what a rush attempt is, I'm looking for guys that are over a certain percentage of targets. So we'll use 20% just as the cutoff. And then when you filter for that of the guys with 18 opportunities per game, which ones had 20% or more target rates, then it cuts down. Now you're at only seven guys, Alvin Kamara, Brees Hall, 
Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Tony Pollard, and Rashad White. So that list of seven hits both of those categories. So then you filter a little bit further. You take those seven players specifically, and then you look at what did they do on a per opportunity basis. And this is what I'm loosely using as how good were they on a per touch basis. And then you filter and you have Christian McCaffrey all the way at the top, just insane 1.1 points per opportunity. So he's literally scoring 1.1 fantasy points every time he gets a target or every time he touches the ball, which is just ridiculous. Now, when you look at his adjusted points per opportunity, it's 0.75, down 32%. So I'm not saying that 1.1 is inflated or that he's not that good, but he is on the higher side. If you take away the touchdowns, he's on the higher side in terms of what he is doing on a per-opportunity basis. Go a little bit further. The next is Brees Hall, 0.91. He's down 18.5% when you remove the touchdowns. Then right after Brees Hall, you have Alvin Kamara, 0.88. And he's only down 15% when you remove the touchdowns. So one of my takeaways, Alvin Kamara, based on last year, still an elite running back. He's Christian McCaffrey right. You should almost be treating Alvin Kamara as a cheaper version of Christian McCaffrey. If you're like, I want to build my anchor running back around Christian McCaffrey, what's Alvin Kamara cost? These numbers say that essentially it's probably not a situation where Alvin Kamara should be worth less than half of Christian McCaffrey. He's a guy I want to have more of in terms of anchor running back rooms going into next year. So he would be a major target for me just given knowing what he probably costs in Dynasty. Next up, you have Travis Etienne, 0.83. He's down 25.5% when you remove the touchdowns, but pretty impressive for Travis Etienne. And all these guys, again, handled 18 or more opportunities per game. So the workload is there, right? And then you have the next three, Rashad White, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard. Those guys were under 0.8 points per opportunity. And then both of them, well, at least one of them, Rashad White, was 20% less when you factor in touchdowns. Eckler was 19%, and Tony Pollard was 16%. But they were already on the inefficient end to begin with. But then you take Rashad White, you remove the touchdowns, he's down 20%. So Rashad White is one of those where, again, that's why I mentioned Rashad White as, you know, the demand may not be there. But in that leverage video, I talked about him being one. If I have him, and forget about the narrative of what may happen to some of these running backs. They draft competition. They sign somebody. We're not even talking about that. We're just talking about the player's profile and efficiency from last year. Rashad White is one that wasn't great on a per-touch basis, was 20% lower when you remove the touchdowns, but then you factor that he may have some value. He's the top 15 running back on KTC. He's much more expensive than Alvin Kamara. Right there, if I don't care about longevity at the running back position, that is a pivot that I'm willing to make any day of the week. If I'm anchoring my running back room, I'd rather anchor it with Alvin Kamara than Rashad White, and I ha ha don't have to pay more for Alvin Kamara. I can actually probably get something on top of Kamara if I were willing to move Rashad White. You may not be able to do it straight up. Unfortunately, a lot of people, the way they view the position, if they have Alvin Kamara, they're not interested in Rashad White as an asset back. They're interested in something different. So you may have to liquidate some of these guys that I mentioned in this show and then maybe target running backs that you want to actually buy in different ways. So White, Eckler, and Pollard were at the bottom. 
Now you go on to the guys that were slightly lesser on the target percentage. Remember, they didn't hit that 20% cutoff, but they were very close. We had three guys over 19%. So like right there on the edge. Joe Mixon, 19.94%. So like he's as close as you can get. Saquon Barkley, 19.5%. And then Isaiah Pacheco, 19.3%. So all of those guys are extremely close to the threshold. And I would venture to say Mixon and Barkley probably pretty predictive to be in that same range. They've always been in that same range. So there's no reason to think that that number can't be 20% or more in a given season. Pacheco, we'll see about that. Uh, that wasn't something he did in his first year. So second year was good to see the jump, but I don't know if we can just say, oh yeah, he's easily going to get to 20%. But then looking at a per touch basis, what those guys did. So the guys that were below 20%, and I didn't mention the others, 18.8% Josh Jacobs, 17.3% Kyron Williams. So you'd like to see Kyron Williams a little bit higher there. And then these are the guys that really don't get a lot of opportunities in the past game. James Conner, 13.6%. Jonathan Taylor, 119 And Derek Henry, 114 So those are the guys that are below 20%. But then when you sort by what is their efficiency, so we're looking at their point per opportunity on that list. So highest to lowest, Kyron Williams, 0.92. So even though his target percentage was only 13 or 17%, his efficiency was right up there with Brees Hall. And again, this is one of the things that I talked about yesterday on Twitter was with Kyron Williams, his workload, he led the league in opportunities per game, 23 opportunities per game. Now you may say that's not sustainable. He's too small. That wasn't the plan because they initially had Cam Akers and then he didn't work out. All of that stuff is secondary. That's not what we're debating here. I'm just stating facts. Kyron Williams led the league in opportunities per game. At the guys that were in the range of 18 or more opportunities per game, he was actually the second best on a point-per-opportunity basis. Better than Brees Hall. I'm not saying he's better than Brees Hall. I'm just giving you the data that last year he was better than even Brees Hall in a points-per-opportunity. Now, Kyron was one of the biggest benefactors of touchdowns. He was down 35% when you remove the touchdowns. But even so, when you look at his adjusted points per opportunity, he's still right there with Travis Etienne. He's still right there with some of the other running backs that were also in the same range from a target rate percentage. Like Kyron Williams and Isaiah Pacheco, almost identical numbers when you remove the touchdowns. So the bet is probably... He's more like a top 15 running back. Should he be RB5? Should he be RB6? I wouldn't bet on that. I think that's a bad bet. So taking him in the first round of a best ball draft, taking him as a top eight running back in a startup, I'm not doing that. But I'm also not going to buy the narrative that if Kyron Williams has competition in his backfield, and guess what? He should have competition in his backfield. But if he does, I'm not going all, he's just going to get his job taken away. He's probably more like a 15 to 18 opportunity per game running back. But we've seen him post pretty good, if not elite efficiency, with a huge workload. That's what interests me. So even if his opportunity comes down 25%, 23 opportunities goes to 17 opportunities per game. His efficiency is good enough with the 23 that as long as he doesn't continually get injured or something like that, I'm going to bank that his efficiency is going to be near the top of the league. He's a top 25% running back in the league in terms of efficiency. 
So even if you bump him out of the workhorse category, which I think would be extreme, but let's say you take away 25% of his opportunities, he's efficient enough to still give you top 12 numbers. Because there's other guys I'm going to talk about here in the next category that are literally doing what you would say he would do if that were to be the case. They bring in competition, he loses 25% of his opportunity. So just to kind of go through the rest of the workhorses, uh, I mentioned Kyron Williams, Isaiah Pacheco. If you actually look at the bad ones, so points per opportunity, Kyron led with 0.92. These are the guys that were below 20% target percentage. Kyron, 0.92. The next three, Pacheco, James Conner, Joe Mixon, and Jonathan Taylor, all over 0.8. That's kind of what I use as the cutoff. I want 0.8 or more points per opportunity as kind of a baseline. Like anybody below that, I'm a little suspect in terms of have they lost it? Have they lost a little bit of their efficiency? Now, these guys, I can forgive that a little bit because they're operating on very high workloads, right? So you go below that, you have Jonathan Taylor at 0.81, and then Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs last year both were extremely bad on a per-touch opportunity basis, meaning when they got opportunity, they were not doing nearly as much as other guys in the same range. So does that mean that they got worse? Does that mean their offenses were just bad and it just didn't create as many points? I don't know. But the idea is they were bad last year, so you would expect their workloads to come down or for them to put up even what they did last year, they would need the workloads to stay the same unless their efficiency goes up. And Saquon, honestly, when you remove Saquon's touchdowns, negative 27%. So a larger percentage of some of his peers even when you remove his touchdowns. So a little concerning for Saquon. We'll see what happens with him in free agency. And then Josh Jacobs. I mean, Josh Jacobs going from what he did in 2022 where he was at the very top of the list down to 0.63 points per opportunity last year. I mean, just straight up bad. The lowest of all the workhorses by far. So that's the list of the workhorses. For me, the takeaway here is I'm probably targeting the guys on the higher efficiency range. So again, at cost, guys like Kamara, I'm fine with ETN, Kyron Williams, Pacheco, and then honestly, Mixon and Connor, for what they cost, probably guys that I'll have more of than most. Especially if someone like Mixon gets cut, the narrative will be, well, he's not any good because the team cut him. When really, it's just the team doesn't want to pay a guy for doing what he's doing but it doesn't mean he's not good. It doesn't mean he doesn't go somewhere else and can give you the same type of production with a historic workload. That's the beauty of some of these guys, right? Mixon, Connor, Henry, Barkley, Jacobs, like they're going to get the workload. They're not going to go somewhere and go, well, you're not good enough to handle the workload. So you have to figure they even maintain workhorse status, even if they falter a little bit. They fall to the high-end range of the next year, which is the Colts. These are going to be defined as running backs last year that had between 15 and 18 opportunities per game. So not quite workhorses, but there's a large chunk of running backs here, which I think you could probably either project to go up in opportunity or kind of wonder is why did they get the opportunity that they got? Because the name list is very, very random. So I'll go over it. Again, these are running backs last year that had 15 to 18 opportunities per game. Bijan Robinson, in order, Bijan Robinson, DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery, Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, James Cook, Kenneth Walker, Jameer Gibbs, Aaron Jones, Chuba Hubbard, Raheem Mostert, Zach Moss, Jerome Ford, 
And small sample size this is one of those small sample sizes, Daryl Henderson. So 15 running backs that fit in the category of Colts. And the reason I mentioned Daryl Henderson, because that largely overlapped when Kyron Williams was out, right? So if anything, I just wanted to highlight that Daryl Henderson, he didn't get Kyron Williams workload, but that might point to the tendency of the Rams to use a running back the way that they're using him. So maybe the Daryl Henderson example here is just a reason to kind of buy into Kyron Williams a little bit more. He literally shows up in the second category off the street. He played four games. Then he was gone. They cut him. So it was almost like he's a temporary fill-in, but we want a guy that has this certain ability that knows our offense and can come in and handle 15 opportunities per game. Now, he wasn't good, not nearly as good as Kyron Williams, but it's just interesting to point him out. Not going to talk about him anymore, but he's also one of those guys that, hey, he's probably on waivers. I've seen him cut in a ton of leagues. Interested in at least picking him up. He's not the worst running back. And if you go a little bit lower, and what you'll start seeing is as you go lower into the bottom two tiers here, there's a lot of bad running backs there. I mean, you're going to see guys on a per-opportunity basis, they're bad. So there's a reason their opportunities are low, but then they're also bad on those opportunities. Those are probably the guys you want to avoid. Daryl Henderson's middle of the pack. You don't look at him and go, he's bad. No, he's average. He probably only fits with a couple teams, but he's average. He's not a running back where you go, well, he's not on a roster, so I don't want him until you get to the season. If he's not on a roster, then fine. But I'm not less interested in him because he got cut by the Rams. So anyway, let's dive into these numbers. So again, 15 to 18 opportunities per game. So we already know that's the cohort we're working with. Now let's look at the target rate. So we'll go to target rate. Target rate's above 20%. And of this list of 15, we have seven names. Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, way at the top, almost 30% target rate. So right there, that tells me that both of those guys, Bijan 17.6 opportunities per game, Gibbs 16.9. Both of them are right on the precipice of that workhorse level, and they were rookies. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They get one more opportunity to game, they're in the workhorse category. Their target rates, both over 28%, elite. Their points per opportunity, Gibbs actually better than Bijan, but they are right there. They are right there from basically being Brees Hall. Brees Hall saw an extra one and a half opportunities per game compared to Bijan and Jameer Gibbs, but they're right there. So this data backs up that Brees Hall, Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs should all be in that elite running back range. They're not just there because they're young. They're not just there because they had great profiles coming in. They're there because literally their efficiency backs it up and their workload is almost as good as it can get. So those two top the list. The other guys over 20, 20%, Ramondre Stevenson, Jerome Ford, Daryl Henderson, Aaron Jones, Javante Williams. So those are the seven that were over that 20% marker that I look for. So then let's look at those seven and look at who was good on a per-touch basis. So points per opportunity, Jameer Gibbs at the very top, 0.96 points per opportunity. Jameer Gibbs, top five in the league in points per opportunity. So right there, I mean, again, efficient on what he gets, handles a decent workload, super high target rate. I mean, the sky's the limit for Jameer Gibbs. Is he ever going to hit 25 opportunities per game? No, but he's at 17. And the league leader last year was Kyron Williams at 23, Christian McCaffrey at 22.2. So I'm not saying Gibbs is Christian McCaffrey. That's a really hard mark to hit. 
but there's no reason to say he's prime Alvin Kamara. You know, Kamara was over one point per opportunity for his career, but the fact that Gibbs almost put that up as a rookie, again, I don't really care about the opportunity share much for Gibbs. He's already hit the benchmark that you would want. One or two more, and he's right there with the workhorses. The other names on there, when you look at their per-opportunity basis, Bijan Robinson, 0.82. Bijan only 19% lower when you factor out the touchdowns or you factor in the touchdowns there. So pretty good for him. Jerome Ford, 0.79. He's next up. Uh, Jerome Ford, 26% uh, when you move the touchdowns. So Jerome Ford's a guy I have some interest in. Uh, if Nick, Nick Chubb can't come back, I'm kind of okay with Jerome Ford just for where he is. Uh, but obviously Chubb coming back could change that. Then the other guys just weren't that good. Aaron Jones, 0.73. Daryl Henderson already mentioned him, 0.73. Ramondre Stevenson, 0.70. Javante Williams, woof, 0.65. Now the big touchdown regression candidate in there was Daryl Henderson. His touchdowns added 27% more points uh, for when you remove them. So that might be a red flag for uh, Henderson. But again, looks exactly like Kyron Williams, just a lesser version of it. But then the other three, Javante, Ramondre Stevenson, Aaron Jones, they could probably benefit from a little more touchdown opportunity. But the big one that stands out for me here that's really, really tough for me to reconcile, Javante Williams. 17 opportunities per game. Still coming off the injury, right? So pretty good workload coming off his injury. 21% target share, so pretty good. But then what he did with the ball, awful. 0.65. Like down in that a little bit better, but down in like the Josh Jacobs range. Like if Josh Jacobs regressed in terms of his touches per game or opportunities per game, he's basically down to where Javante Williams is. It's like just not positive for Javante Williams. He would be a guy that I'm probably selling based on this because he was always here. Before his injury, he wasn't efficient. After his injury, he's even less efficient. And even though he has the target rate, and even though he's shown the ability to handle this number of touches, and there are people saying Javante Williams' touches could go up because he's a year removed from the injury. But if he does get more opportunity, I can't really bet on his efficiency going up. So he's probably one of the ones that I'm not as interested in there. Obviously, the guys you're interested in there, Gibbs, Bijan, Aaron Jones, okay, but here's the thing. People still think Aaron Jones is really good. He's good, but he's not like Alvin Kamara good. He's not better than James Conner. He's not better than Joe Mixon. He's not better than Derrick Henry. So when you think about that, you kind of wonder, okay, do I really want to buy Aaron Jones? I'll take him. He has a certain place on my rosters, but he's not better than I think those guys that I talked about in the first tier. So just some interesting stuff on Aaron Jones. Uh, then we're going to go to the guys that have the sub 20% target rate that are also in this Colts category. So we're going to look at the rest of, of the players there, if you sort by target percentage, you had James Cook, DeAndre Swift, Zach Moss, Chuba Hubbard, Kenneth Walker, Raheem Mostert, Najee Harris, David Montgomery. And then if you look at them on a point per opportunity basis, the same players, the same group that we just looked at, when you filter by per opportunity, so these are guys that maybe don't have the target rate that you would want, but they're efficient on their touches, Raheem Mostert, 1.11 points per opportunity. But as people probably have guessed, the highest touchdown regression guy, 47% lower when you take out the touchdowns for he Mostert. So not a guy that I'm super interested in, 
But you could also bet that the touchdowns are probably product of the offense, and he's going to get a shot with the same offense again. Is he going to do what he did last year? No way. But I think a lot of people are pricing that in, that there's no way he's going to do what he did last year. If he does 60% of what he did last year, it's probably a home run at his cost. Next up on a per-touch basis, now this is a tough one for me to really figure out. Uh, David Montgomery, 17.36 opportunities per game. 0.85 points per opportunity. So good above that 0.8 threshold that I talked about, but 38% less when you take away the touchdowns and only a 9% target rate. So right there, that tells me a couple things. David Montgomery, not going to be a guy that gets targets, not on the lines. Then you look at the touchdown regression, negative 38% when you take out his touchdowns. Now you can also say, his role with the Lions is probably touchdowns. You can also look at the point per opportunity for Montgomery and say, maybe that's also a product of the Lions, right? They have a good line. They have a good offense. So the same arguments you're making for Gibbs' situation being good, you have to make for Montgomery's. But I think Montgomery is just an innings eater. He's a guy that I would actually bet on his opportunities staying the same or being lower, but he's at risk of if the touchdowns just go against him a little bit, he doesn't have the other peripherals uh, to make up for it. So when you really factor in, I'm not going to talk about this much. Maybe I'll do another show on the uh, essentially like adjusted points per game based on these numbers, but his is down significantly. His is down like five points per game if you start to look at what he should have gotten versus what he actually got. So not a big fan of Montgomery. You look at the others, James Cook. So James Cook, 0.80, right on the baseline. So just like I mentioned Rashad White and James Cook, there's a reason I mentioned them in the same boat. White got a little more opportunity, wasn't as good with the opportunity. James Cook got a little less opportunity, 17.1 opportunities per game, a little bit better. Target rate only 18% for James Cook, though. Not a huge touchdown regression guy, only negative 15% from the touchdown. So I think James Cook and Rashad White, like I said, they are what they are. They're, they're a tier or two lower than even Alvin Kamara. But they are what they are. They're probably pretty steady for what they are, but right now their value has a lot of, well, they're still young. Maybe there's some upside in there, and I just don't think there is. So James Cook, Rashad White, they're actually getting credit because they're younger, but they really just are what they are. They're top 20, top 24 running backs that are priced as top 15 running backs, and I'm just not interested in those guys probably for what they're going to cost. Because they're two years away from you're going, okay, now I'm interested in them because they're cheaper. But because they're only in their third year, people think there's going to be this ceiling that they can unlock even more. I'm just not willing to bet on that. Uh, Ken Walker, another interesting one. Uh, 17 opportunities per game, 0.78 points per opportunity, down 27% when you factor in touchdowns, only a 14% target rate. This is where we're starting to get into that ADV big time. There's no reason Ken Walker should be a top 10 running back in Dynasty. He just shouldn't. There's other profiles that look almost identical to him, and you go, there's just no reason he should be there. There's no difference between Ken Walker and Ramondre Stevenson, yet one is priced totally different than the other. Uh, then an interesting couple names, Zach Moss. So Zach Moss, 15.1 opportunities per game. That correlates with Jonathan Taylor, right, on a per-touch basis, better than Jonathan Taylor. Per-opportunity basis, Taylor was a little bit more per-touch basis, very, very, very similar. 24% uh, regression for Zach Moss in touchdowns. 
16.8% target rate. So I'm not saying Zach Moss is Jonathan Taylor, but they're pretty close. They're pretty close. So Zach Moss is one of those targets for me of guys that are going to be discounted because they're going to be a free agent. They may go to a team that already has a running back. Well, guess what? He already was good on a team that had a good running back. He's largely going to be somebody that's a fill-in piece. He's not going to average 16 opportunities per game every single week. But his price isn't that. You can look at Zach Moss and Ken Walker. They're the same thing. But one has more guaranteed opportunity, which means one has five times the value in Dynasty. Don't want to pay for that. Want to pay for, if I might need Zach Moss for three weeks, I'm going to get a running back that's pretty good. Right below them, DeAndre Swift, 0.72 points per opportunity. And then the guys even below that, Najee Harris and Chuba Hubbard. So Swift is a tough one because his target rate was down. Maybe that was the Eagles. He only is negative 18% if you factor out the touchdowns. But Swift wasn't that good last year. He just wasn't that great. Now, maybe he goes to a different offense because his numbers were always one of the ones where you go, his opportunities per game are up five from 2022, but his efficiency is down like 25%. So he is probably one of the running backs that needs to live in the ponies category, which I'm going to talk about next. But if he lives in that category, 10 to 15 opportunities per game, guess whose efficiency is probably going to go up? DeAndre Swift. So that's what he is. So he's probably overvalued in Dynasty because he's still a top 15 running back in Dynasty. He's overvalued. He should be in the next category. Not that I don't want some DeAndre Swift, but there's other names where I can get cheaper and essentially get the same kind of thing. And then Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard was bad. He was bad before this, but he was bad again. Now, you compare him to the other Panthers running backs last year, and he was the best one. But even these numbers, 0.65 points per opportunity, 16.5 opportunities per game, only a 15% target rate. Just not a great bet. He's an innings eater, but he's not really a great running back. So Chuba Hubbard is not one of the ones I would target, especially if he's priced as like he could be the starter. Like he's going ahead of Miles Sanders everywhere. And I just don't want to pay for either of them, but definitely don't want to pay that price for Chuba Hubbard. So maybe have one or two shares that I would hold on to, but I have a lot of Chuba Hubbard in Dynasty and probably not interested in holding him, especially if the Panthers just draft like another round four running back. You know, they bring in like a Cody Schrader or someone like that. People are going to attach to Chuba Hubbard. Oh, the offense is going to get better. He's a guy that I would be willing to sell. So that's the recap with that Colts category. The ones I'm most interested in are obviously the ones that, you know, have the really, really high-end range of outcomes there. Gibbs, Bijan. Otherwise, Jerome Ford, some interest. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, interest here just because his target rate is high and his efficiency is much lower than it was in 2022. Uh, but other than that, Zach Moss a little bit. Uh, but didn't talk about Najee Harris. Najee Harris, basically a rich man's Chuba Hubbard. Uh, handled 17.2 opportunities per game, but he's awful. He was bad in 2022. He's just as bad in 2023. You know what you're getting with Najee Harris. He's David Montgomery. You're paying for the touches, but you know they're going to be inefficient. Especially Najee, you know his touches are going to be extremely inefficient. He's not going to score a lot. So really, when the floor falls out in terms of his opportunity, he goes to zero. He's Gus Edwards. But as long as he gets that opportunity that he's gotten, 15-plus opportunities per game, he's just an innings eater. But he's not a good running back. He's a guy eventually is not going to handle that workload. But until he doesn't, you have to at least – he is what he is. 
best ball. I probably can just get some touches with him, but I'm not going to get anything more than what he actually has. So the next tier we'll get into is the ponies. So with the ponies, we're looking at running backs that had between 10 and 15 opportunities per game. So if you had 15, you went into the category above this. 10 to 15 opportunities per game. Uh, and on this list, I'll just read through them. These are on a total from highest to lowest. Devin Singletary, Brian Robinson, Ezekiel Elliott, Alexander Madison, Deontay Foreman, A.J. Dillon, Khalil Herbert, Jalen Warren, Devon A-Chain, Gus Edwards, Tyler Algier, Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, Cam Akers, and Ty J. Spears. So if you look at that, we had a total number of 16 in this category. And then when you do the same filtering that I was doing for the first two categories, if you look at their numbers from a target rate, so 10 to 15 opportunities per game, and then you filter by target rate that is over 20%, you get the following. Ty J. Spears, 41%. Ridiculous. Jalen Warren, 33%. Ridiculous. Devon A. Chain, 26%. Zeke Elliott, 26%. Miles Sanders, 24%. So five of the 16, over 24%. Now, we filtered those down into which ones were actually good on a per-opportunity basis. Here's where we start finding a, a little bit of gold. Devon A. Chain, ridiculous on a per-opportunity basis. 1.36, highest in the league. Blew everybody away. So Devon Achin, 1.36. Now 34% down for touchdown regression. But kind of like Raheem Mostert, you know, that offense is probably more prone to creating touchdowns than most. So I'm not even going to ding him much for the touchdowns. But 0.89 adjusted opportunities per opportunity or point per opportunity. Crazy. Highest in the league right there. So even if you take A-Chain's touches away, even if you take his touchdowns away, I should say, He's higher than 70% of the running backs in the league on a per-opportunity basis. So I'm not saying he's Gibbs. I'm not saying he's Bijan. But if you wanted to make the bet that his opportunities per game just stay in this range, let's say they get to 15. He was at 12.73. Let's say they get to 15. You have a really good shot, if this efficiency even stays 80% of what it was last year, of, of hitting on a top 10 running back. So that's a guy I'm willing to bet. I'll bet on him way over Kyron Williams, for instance. And it's not a knock on Kyron, but you're just looking at what are you shooting for. I'd much rather bet on A-Chain because I think his opportunities can go up, whereas Kyron's probably come down. But on a per-opportunity basis, just absolutely ridiculous. Tajay Spears, the next two are probably the two biggest targets for me if you look at this list. And I highlighted them uh, in that article that I did. At least I highlighted one of the two. Jalen Warren and Tajay Spears. So both of them posted target rates over 33%. Spears, I mentioned, was at 41%, which is ridiculous. Their opportunities per game, now Warren at 13.1, Spears at 10.0. So obviously you want those numbers to come up, especially Spears. You probably want those to come up to around the 15 range. But what we already know about Derrick Henry there last year, Najee Harris there last year, inefficient guys. So do... The Titans bring in somebody kind of similar to what Derrick Henry's role was, probably, but that's okay. These guys can live where they are 
and be fine. Points per opportunity for Spears, 0.9. Points per opportunity for Warren, 0.88. Very good. Touchdown regression for both, low. 11% for Spears, 12 for Warren. So they're not benefiting from touchdowns at all. So they're very good in terms of these. These are the ideal second and third running backs on your team. You could get away with them being your RB1 and your RB2, but if you can build around an anchor and these two could be your second and third running back, you're set. You can almost go with all any running back on a 53s after that. What is the key with guys like this? What are the key with the efficiency monsters that don't get a ton of work? They need to be in your lineup. The weekly range of outcomes for guys like Warren and Spears, if you had them last year, how many times did you not start Jalen Warren? Oh, man, I don't know how many touches he's going to get. I don't know what the game script's going to be like. So you were chasing. You immediately put in guys with bigger workloads, guys that have less dynasty value even, because that's the problem. Spears is expensive. Warren is fairly expensive. But you're rolling out. You're throwing Josh Jacobs in there. Oh, man, he's going to get a ton of touches. You're throwing James Conner, Joe Mixon. You're throwing those guys in over Jalen Warren, over Tajay Spears, when the reality is they're redundant assets. They end up in the same range. So these are your perfect RB2, RB3 on a running back room where you've kind of punted. Now, the problem is you have to pay for him now. Tajay Spears, top 15 running back. Jalen Warren, top 20, top 25 running back. I don't want to pay for him. But how do I identify guys that can kind of do the same thing? Or if I have a running back room structured around, maybe I just have Brees Hall and then nobody else. I'm okay maybe buying one of these guys. But I just wanted to highlight those two are the ones that stand out in almost every metric. Basically, if you remove the opportunity share, the list of the elite efficiency running backs is McCaffrey, Brees, Bijan, Gibbs, Tajay Spears, Jalen Warren, Alvin Kamara, Devon A-Chain. That's the list. So the fact that A-Chain, Spears, and Warren are on this list, all you have to bet on is their opportunity share goes up just a little bit. Doesn't have to go up to a massive number. Just a little bit. Because what you don't want is you don't want their efficiency to get tanked because they're getting too much work. I'd much rather have them stay in that 15 opportunities per game and be where they are from an efficiency standpoint. So those are the two that stand out. The next one up that's very interesting to me is Ezekiel Elliott. Now it drops off pretty much after those top three. 26% target, 26 target rate for Zeke, 24% for Miles Sanders. Uh, and then everybody else is below 20. So I'll just give you the below 20 guys. Then we'll look at the efficiency of each category. Madison, 19.6%. Brian Robinson, 19.5%. Khalil Herbert, 19%. Cam Akers, 16%. Devin Singletary, 15%. AJ Dillon, 13.5%. Kareem Hunt, 13.5%. Deontay Foreman, 12.8%. Tyler Algier, Damian Pierce, both around 11%. And then Gus Edwards, Wolf, 6%. So let's look at those top five. Those are the guys with the 25% or 20% or more target rate. Their point per opportunity. I already mentioned A-Chain, Spears, and Warren. Zeke, right around baseline, 0.7 points per opportunity, 17% down for touchdowns, so not relying on touchdowns last year. Zeke is what he is. He's a guy that's going to come in. He's probably going to play the same exact role that he played last year. He's fine. But if he's priced at anything higher than any running back on a 53, don't really need him. Now, Miles Sanders is an interesting one. 24% target rate, only 10.6 opportunities per game, 
but brutal on a per opportunity basis. 0.52. Awful. One of the worst in the league. Top 10 worst running back in the league. Now, no touchdown regression, 6%. So basically no touchdown opportunities, but looks very similar to Chuba Hubbard, just a lesser version of Chuba Hubbard. So at cost, again, that's why I'd be willing to go Miles Sanders over Chuba Hubbard because they're both just this basically very inefficient, but Miles Sanders got less work. So I'm willing to bet on that being swapped, maybe because it's a new coaching staff, who knows? Uh, but not really a guy I'm interested in. It's just interesting to look at those two compared. Everyone now thinks Chuba Hubbard's way better. Not really. Not much better. So now let's look at the other category. These are the guys that are in this group that are below 20% target rate. Uh, quite a few at 19%. So Madison, Robinson, Herbert, all over 19%. So they're like right there uh, in terms of looking at that number. So it's not that far off for the baseline that I'm looking at. Then a point per opportunity basis. So when you go to the very top, who were the best on a per-opportunity basis? Brian Robinson, 0.9. 27% touchdown regression for Robinson, so about in the middle, a little bit higher than average, but 0.9 points per opportunity for Brian Robinson. 0.89, Gus Edwards. Now, Gus Edwards, massive touchdown regression, 42%. Then the next guy, same thing, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, 0.76 points per opportunity, 46% touchdown regression. So two takeaways, Kareem Hunt, Gus Edwards, not good. Almost not even worth roster spots. And that's a hot take that you don't want any running back on a 53. But essentially, wherever those guys go, it better be an offense that can score touchdowns. If it's not, I have zero interest. Because these numbers say those guys are not good on a per-touch basis. Very, very reliant on touchdowns, especially Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt other than one other player that I'll mention at the very end, the worst running back in the league. So almost no interest in Kareem Hunt anymore. He's probably completely zapped, and he was in a good situation last year that only brought him back when they were desperate. So Kareem Hunt probably off the radar. Deontay Foreman, same thing. Basically a younger version of Kareem Hunt. Um, not as bad on a adjusted per opportunity basis, but just as bad when you factor in 33% touchdown regression. So both him and Hunt on the very, very bottom end in terms of adjusted points per opportunity. Uh, and then Khalil Herbert, he's one that 0.69 points per opportunity, 19% target rate, 13.5% opportunities per game, or 13.5 opportunities per game, and a 16% touchdown regression for Khalil Herbert. So I think he's average. Uh, he's probably one that I'm not going to pay for because he has some steam. People have some value in him. Uh, but these numbers, when you look at the Bears running backs, and we'll talk about Roshan Johnson in the next category, the Bears didn't have a good running back last year. So I'm not that interested in that backfield. If it's just Roshan and Herbert, they probably bring somebody in. But even if they don't, I'm just not that interested in it uh, for next year. And then Devin Singletary, Tyler Algier, Cam Akers, Alex Madison, A.J. Dillon, and Damian Pierce. All of those guys below, along with Herbert, 0.7 points per opportunity. Uh, the biggest touchdown regression candidate in there with is Cam Akers. So again, Cam Akers is probably in the Kareem Hunt category, just bad. And now that he has another Achilles tear, I don't know why people are rostering Cam Akers in Dynasty. He's just, he's done. He's done. And now he's got a second Achilles tear. There's just no reason to have him even on a roster. Even if he comes back, he falls in the literal Kareem Hunt, Gus Edwards range. So he has a name, but in this fourth category, if you can swap guys like Cam Akers, Gus Edwards, A.J. Dillon, those types, for more efficient running backs, this is where you gain the edge because those guys have some name to them. Damian Pierce, woof. 0.51 points per opportunity, 
15% touchdown regression. So, you know, on the higher end in terms of uh, could be more beneficial if he gets touchdown opportunities next year, but still his per opportunity base is just absolutely awful. Doesn't get targets. Uh, it's interesting that Singletary and Pierce are on the bottom half of the league in terms of target rate. And that was their backfield. I mean, they literally took up like 98% of the backfield touches for the Texans and they don't target either one. So is that an indictment on those two players or is it an indictment on the quarterback or the offense? I've heard people say the Texans don't target the running back. I don't know about that because you look at the target rates for Singletary and Pierce, historically, they're not high. So maybe it was they don't target the running back because their running backs aren't good at receiving the pass or receiving the ball. So it'll be interesting to see what running back they target in free agency, given that the reports that they're actually looking to revamp the running back room. So they'll still have Pierce, but he's not really a guy I'm that interested in based on what he did last year. So on this list, I mean, really the ones that I'm most interested in, again, are those ones at the very top. A-Chain, Warren Spears. They're all expensive. There's all priced. All of them are priced with the opportunity is going to go up for all of them. But again, you look at the numbers for Spears and Warren, and they're just the dream candidates to be your RB2 and your RB3 on a team. Uh, the others on that list, some interest in Brian Robinson. I think Brian Robinson is a guy that could go up into the next tier. I know they have a new regime coming in, but what he put on paper with these numbers, pretty encouraged that he's, he, Brian Robinson is just as good. He's better than not than Javante Williams. I wanted to say Najee Harris, but I think he's already more expensive than Najee Harris. Brian Robinson is a better version of Javante Williams. One has a name, one doesn't. But you literally put them up side by side, and it's going to be B-Rob, 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 B-Rob. The only difference was Javante had more opportunities per game. But that's it. But Brian Robinson, just a better running back. And then everybody else in here, these are guys, and I'll just say this, this is kind of the trap zone of running backs because I think in this range, people are more apt to pay for volume because these guys are getting more opportunities than the last category, which I'm just going to breeze over and just highlight some of the names because it's really the rest of the running backs in the league. You know, but guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Khalil Herbert, Devin Singletary, Tyler Algier, they have a little more name cachet because they get opportunity. But then you look at what are they doing with their opportunity? None of them are good. So they're all being pumped up a little bit because they've gotten a workload, but they're also candidates where I would say that opportunity is not going to go up. If anything, if teams look at this kind of thing, they go, well, we might need to bring in another guy. These are the ones I'm worried about getting the competition because they're already average or below average to begin with, and they don't have enough workload to really sustain like a Najee Harris role. Like Najee Harris is a step above these guys. He's going to probably be given the role versus somebody like Khalil Herbert's not going to be handed the role. Then he's not that great on a per-touch opportunity basis. So he's probably on the higher end of this group, but the others in there, guys like Singletary, Algier, they're there because it's like, well, they get work. But I don't really want to pay for guys that get work because I don't know if I can predict that ranges of this place are guys where I know they're going to get the same work that they got last year. So last up, the everybody else's. And in this group, we have 30 more running backs. I'm not going to talk about all of them because honestly, this is players from three to 10 opportunities per game. So all of the players on this list, you probably have to project to have more opportunity for you to really want them. But where it's interesting is if you look at the ones that were efficient on the small amount of touches, and you can project that they even get up into the next category, 10 to 15 opportunities per game, there can be some viabilities. The ones at the very bottom, 
I'm just going to give you the names that are at the very, very bottom of this list. So below 10 opportunities per game. And let's just say below 0.7 points per opportunity. So these names right here are the guys that I almost have very little interest in rostering. But more importantly, if there's a name on here or two where you go, oh, I can sell that guy, do it. So here's the list. Guys that had less than 10 opportunities per game that were not efficient on their opportunities. You had Dearness Johnson, Matt Breida, Pierre Strong, Chase Edmonds, Zamir White, that's the one. Cordero Patterson, Royce Freeman, Elijah Mitchell, Josh Kelly, Jamal Williams, Dalvin Cook, Tank Bigsby. That's another one. Tank Bigsby, the worst running back in the league. On a per-opportunity basis, worse than everybody. Worse than Dalvin Cook. Worse than Royce Freeman. Worse than Chase Edmonds and Pierre Strong and Matt Breida. Tank Bigsby, awful. 52% of his production was on touchdowns. So one of the highest touchdown regression guys as well. 7% target rate. I mean, talk about a guy that has a name only. Tank Bigsby. The other one's Amir White. A lot of people thinking, oh man, if Jacobs walks, Amir White will get that same opportunity they got in the last couple games. He might. He very well might. And there might have been something with the team too because Josh Jacobs' numbers were a career low in 2023. So maybe it was a little bit situation dependent, right? The Raiders were a train wreck for a lot of the year. They brought in a new coach. We'll see. So Josh Jacobs down because of the Raiders. Zamir White maybe a little bit lower because of the Raiders. We don't have a huge sample size on Zamir White. He played in every game, but obviously didn't get touches in every game. So if you isolated the games where he got all the work, it's a little better, but still not a guy that was efficient on a per-touch basis. Again, this is a per-touch basis. So it's not like we're penalizing him for playing in games and not getting a lot of touches. He only got 7.24 per game. That's where maybe the number is lower than what it could be. But again, even if you put him up in the 15 opportunities per game, he wasn't good. So right there, he becomes a guy I'm probably more interested in selling because other people actually hold some value with him. The other guys I mentioned, probably besides Tank Bigsby, are all just, they're just bodies. You know, guys like Matt Breida, Dearness Johnson, Pierre Strong, Chase Edmonds, Cordero Patterson, Royce Freeman, Josh Kelly, Jamal Williams, Dalvin Cook, all those guys, they're not worth anything. There, I'm picking them up because they're a running back. The interesting one is Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell's not good. That's amazing that the Niners continue to keep him as their backup running back. Uh, that's a guy that if at all goes into the season as he's going to be the backup running back again, get rid of him, take a fourth, Give me a fourth and pick up another running back. I can probably mine some better value, but he's one you may be able to sell uh, for one of these guys that's on the higher end. So let's talk about the higher end. Here's the guys I'm interested in. These are the guys that on a per opportunity basis are very good. Uh, Jarek McKinnon stands out. He's at the very, very top 1.59 points per opportunity. It's such a small sample size though. I mean, he literally only had 53 opportunities on the season. Uh, but when he got the ball, he was very good. But I think we kind of know that that's probably a product of the offense and how he fits in the offense. So not much interest in Jarek McKinnon. Uh, Keaton Mitchell tops the list. Keaton Mitchell, 1.21 points per opportunity. Coming off the injury, though, uh, he did have a 19% target rate. Again, only 7.25 opportunities per game. But this gives you some credence in having some equity in Keaton Mitchell. Uh, very, very efficient. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan. I wrote about Samaj P. Ryan in the article that I did. He was good on a per-opportunity basis, 1.11 points per opportunity. And here's the amazing thing about P. Ryan, the lowest touchdown regression 
of all the guys that scored a touchdown. Less than 5%. So he was good without touchdowns. He had a 51% target rate. Now, again, he only had 109 opportunities, but he's free. He's a name that I'm interested as the second or the last running back on my team. The second to last or last running back on my team. But he's worth nothing. You don't think you can get Samaj P. Ryan in a third for Tank Bigsby? Easy. Samaj P. Ryan in two thirds for Zamir White? Easy. Like you can pull these deals off in a lineup league and you're probably getting a running back that has the same viability as the guy you traded away. The next group are the three or the four that I'm extremely interested in. If I could build my ideal running back room with the any running backs on a 53 after the top three. So let's say I have Gibbs, Tajay Spears, Jalen Warren. That's a dream. I already said that, right? If I can have these four guys on the everybody else list, give me them. Antonio Gibson, Michael Carter, Jaleel McLaughlin, Chase Brown. All four of those guys over 0.91 points per opportunity. Not a lot of touchdown regression either. The highest one was Jaleel McLaughlin at 17%, but all of those guys were good. All of those guys had a target percentage over 25%. Now, Chase Brown was the lowest, 25%. If Mixon gets cut, I can see Chase Brown being one of the cut or the sell candidates just because he's going to go up in value. But even I'm leery of, man, what can I sell Chase Brown for? Because I think people assume if they get rid of Mixon, they're going to be in the business of finding somebody cheaper, which means Chase Brown will be cheaper, which means I want Chase Brown. So I'm hesitant to even sell Chase Brown high. But those four names, Antonio Gibson, Michael Carter, Jaleel McLaughlin, Chase Brown, extremely interested on all of them. The only one that's a free agent is Antonio Gibson. We'll see where he lands. Michael Carter should be the backup. For the Cardinals, Chase Brown should have a prominent role for the Bengals. P. Ryan could get cut from Denver, but I'm very interested in P. Ryan and McLaughlin for the reason of they're there with Javante Williams, who's a inefficient touch load monster. And you look at these two and you go, man, these were the better running backs. So McLaughlin, again, on a rookie contract with Denver, and then obviously Gibson is a free agent. So very interested in those four. Uh, right below them, Justice Hill. 0.89 per opportunity, 22% touchdown regression, so a little bit higher for Justice Hill. Roshan Johnson, 0.84, uh, only 11% touchdown regression for Roshan Johnson. So definitely like Roshan Johnson above Khalil Herbert. Uh, and everything I talked about with Khalil Herbert applies to Roshan Johnson, though. So they almost have to give Roshan Johnson the Khalil Herbert workload. And what happens if they do? That's the scary thing about these guys. We tout their efficiency, but they also don't have the workload. Michael Carter, only four opportunities per game. Jaleel McLaughlin, 6.5. Chase Brown, five. Like These are guys that need to get up into that 10-plus range and even maintain 90% of the efficiency. If so, they're going to be worth bang for their buck. Uh, going down a little bit further, uh, Amari DiMercato is there. Uh, 6.9 opportunities per game, 0.83. Now you're starting to go a little bit lower. Kendra Miller, passable. Uh, 6.5 opportunities per game. He did have a target rate over 20% and 0.83 points per opportunity. Uh, Rico Dowdle right below that. Uh, Rico Dowdle's a free agent though. So that's one where, you know, maybe I'm a little interested in Rico Dowdle depending on where he goes because he was better than Tony Pollard on a per touch basis. Again, he only had 6.94 opportunities per game, but he was better than Pollard. So maybe he was a little bit of victim of what Tony Pollard was before Zeke Elliott left where he got the efficiency, but his efficiency wasn't as good as what Pollard's was when he was getting only 10 opportunities per game. So keep that in mind. 
Then the guys that are right on the passable line, Ty Chandler, Kenneth Gainwell, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. Those guys are right on the passable mark. Um, I'll give credit to guys like Edwards, Hilaire and Kenneth Gainwell, who still managed to have a target rate over 20% as well. Uh, so those are ones that I'm interested in as just like, those are the fillers. Those are my last two running backs or so on my roster. Uh, but that's probably where you're going to have to fish the cutoff. After that, you start getting into the range of guys that are inefficient guys that probably have a little value. Zach Charbonnet, Chris Rodriguez. Those are two that are inefficient on a per touch basis, but might have a little value as a potential handcuff. So I'd be more on the sell side with those, but the big highlights here, Keaton Mitchell, Samaj P. Ryan, Antonio Gibson, Michael Carter, Jaleel McLaughlin, Chase Brown, some interest in Justice Hill, Roshan Johnson, Mary D. Mercado, Kendra Miller, Rico Dowdle, Kenneth Gainwell, Clyde Edwards, Lair. Those are the ones I'm listed or I'm interested in in this very bottom tier. They have varying prices, but hopefully with some of those names, it gives you an idea of who to target when you're doing any running back on a 53. You're outside around 15 in your startup, and you know I need to draft six more running backs in the next 15 rounds. Who do I want? And that was the whole point of this show to kind of help you build a layered running back room to achieve the nine or 10 running backs or whatever you want your roster construction to be, but give you some potential shots at efficiency. If you were to see opportunity with these guys on a per week basis, that's the final point I'm going to make. We play this game on a per week basis. I cited a bunch of numbers that were per game for a season opportunities per game. Dive a little bit deeper when you start looking at the opportunities per week for these guys. You're going to see some of them that I mentioned. Zero, one, three, two, one, 18, 14, three, two, four. A lot of these guys are very week to week, right? Especially the guys in the last two tiers. They're not getting the opportunities on a weekly basis. Hence, they have under 15 opportunities per game, especially these guys that are living in the 6 to 10 range. They're not getting it consistently, but they're good enough if they do, which you're going to know if you roster construct this way, you're going to know when to play them. And those are the ones I have want to have on my roster when I may get a shot during the year to actually start them. So keep that in mind. It's a layered approach to building a running back room in a dynasty league, deeper leagues, you can afford to kind of lean into the strategy even more because the production or the war you get from the running backs matters even less. But hopefully this show helped. I highlighted all of this data in that Destination Debbie article from January 22nd, 2024. That link will be in the podcast feed. So check that out if you're going through this and there's just a lot of numbers and names and data that I threw at you. I apologize for being very, very redundant, but I'm literally just kind of going through uh, the entire spreadsheet that I have to highlight some of the takeaways that I'm using personally in my Dynasty League. So if you want more of that, check out everything over at DestinationDevy.com. Join the Discord over on the website or Patreon.com backslash all gas. If you join the Trades in 5 tier or the Heisman tier, you'll get access to bonus content. Uh, we have a new thing where we're answering questions in the Heisman voice chat, just random Dynasty questions where Ray and I will jump in there a couple times a week and just answer a targeted question from the community and it'll turn into a 15, 20, 30-minute bonus podcast. So if you want stuff like that, more from myself, more from Ray, more from the Destination Devi team, check that out. Obviously, Trades in 5, we're starting to stream a little bit more. We have our Tuesday night streams that we're doing, and then also we're doing these hammer streams that'll pop up. So check out different times during the week. We just did one Friday afternoon, Clay and I, where we go through and answer your questions. Uh, buymeacoffee.com backslash Trades in 5. Uh, you can submit a question there that we will get to on a stream. 
And then finally, the Did It platform. If you want a personal consultation with me talking about draft strategy, roster construction, war, et cetera, download the Did It app, D-I-D-I-T for iOS and Apple devices, and then message me on there to set up a time. Uh, you get 10 minutes free. So really anything you want me to answer for you, I can pull up your teams. We can jump right into it. So if you have targeted questions, if you want to talk through some of this stuff with how you're building your dynasty team, let me know. Download the Did It app, D-I-D-I-T. Message me on there. It will set something up with you. So hope everybody enjoyed this. Hopefully this helps you build your any running back on a 53 running back rooms. Helps you roster construct going into the offseason. There's a ton that's going to change. Didn't talk anything about rookies. Didn't talk anything about free agency, landing spots, scheme changes. Like you have to kind of be fluid with all of these things, but this is a starting point. So hopefully you enjoyed it. With that, I will go ahead and sign off. Be chill.